1: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org.
2: Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the U.K., Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you, you didn't pick up on the fact that we have recorded last week's podcast a week early. The reason we did that, Liam, just come back off holiday. How was your week in sunny Wales?
0: It was good. It was actually sunny. Um, I know that any American listeners won't know, but we have... Um, Wales that is not really that sunny and tends to rain more than it is sunny there so it was really lucky to get a week of pure sun Uh, maybe rained overnight but that was about it and then went to York on Saturday to start the long weekend off Uh, that was really nice and then went to the Litchfield Food Festival on Monday actually and that was really nice Uh, yesterday as of recording so how was your long of the weekend been rich
2: yeah it was very nice very nice weather wasn't as good as yours by the sound of it we had a bit of rain but um yeah had a, had a nice family picnic spent some time down at the beach played some bit bat which um yeah was was very good you're looking to be very confused here Liam tell me yes. you know a bit tell me you know what bit bat is
0: no no you're gonna to have to explain this one to me this sounds like a southern thing
2: Okay, so, so bit bat. So, you know, when you go to the beach, you get those little kind of woodeny small tennis rackets. Yes. And the, the little plastic ball that fo- floats in the water.
0: Yeah, kind of like a squash ball, but.
2: Yeah, but plastic. plastic that's, yeah. that's bit bat. And it's basically okay. ten- tennis, but you play it in the water.
0: I've never heard it called that. I don't think we have a name for it in, at least in my family, but yeah, Yeah. I've never heard it called BitBat before. It may,
2: it may not even be a thing. It may just be something my family call it, but yeah, that's, that's always been BitBat. So I'm just going to go go. with the
0: the Southerner thing.
2: Yeah. Listeners, you can let me know, does anyone else call it BitBat or is it just a, just a cooling family thing? But anyway, let's move on to the important stuff, Liam. So cocktail of the week. What have you, what have
0: you cooked up for us today? It's always the important stuff, Rich, cocktails. So um, I've gone with a normal Pacific today, but I've had to switch it up because I don't have all the ingredients. So normally for Pacific, you use Quantro, lemonade, lemon juice, and a bit of blue uh, Ciroc. Is that right? I know we checked before the pronunciation. I knew I'd get it I love wrong. Love that you, so.
2: you've Googled this to get the pronunciation <laughs> right. If you've got it wrong, I believe it's Curacao. But Curacao. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a cocktail expert. I'll be honest.
0: I told you before I was still going to mess this up, even though we'd been looking beforehand. So what I did, because I didn't have all the ingredients, was I just went with orange curacao, lemonade and lemon juice, just doubled up on uh, the blue and the Cointreau. And honestly, it's going to become one of my favourite cocktails. It's pretty good.
2: Nice, nice. Well, uh, for those of you listening, um, you're probably hearing this after cut day, but cuts are, are flying in as we're recording. We've obviously seen the huge news that is Cam Newton has been released by the Patriots, paving the way for Mac Jones. What do you think, Liam? Is this Was it inevitable? Was it just a case of, as far as you were concerned, Cam was a placeholder or, or are you as shocked as the rest of the world seems to be right now?
0: I, I was pretty shocked. I know that you would have seen the message in the five-yard group chat with me with a couple of expletives, quite not not um, not believing the words that I was reading from, I think it was Tom pilicero that actually broke the news. Yeah, I wasn't expecting Cam to be cut, to be honest. I thought if two um, of these rookie quarterbacks were going to, not start this season. I thought it was going to be Lance and Mac Jones and then Fields is going to actually start, but it seems like Nagy has a love affair with Andy Dalton at this point, um, which as a Packers fan, I'm fine with, but I know that Fields will come in strong. But back on on Matt Jones, I think that he's, he's going to do really well and Bill Belichick will not have cut Cam, who is a proven starter, without knowing that Mac is going to be the next greatest thing that he's got.
2: <laughs> you're declaring right now that Mac Jones is the next Tom Brady, is that what you're saying, Liv? Hey,
0: I never said that. That's completely <laughs> different.
2: I think for me, the biggest shock is that Cam was cut and not traded. I wouldn't have been shocked if Bills decided that Mac Jones is the way to go. And I think With Cam, you know, that that COVID test that wasn't an official COVID test that meant he had to stay away from practice five days. I think that was huge, and that's possibly costing his job here. But I can't believe that there wasn't a market to trade for Cam Newton. His contract is really manageable. He would have cost one and a half million against the cap if you'd have traded for him because the Pats would have eaten the two million. So you're you're basically saying that Gardner Minshew can get a sixth-round pick but Cam Newton can get nothing. Like, I'm, I'm shocked that someone like the Ravens, who have got a horrific backup quarterback situation, didn't go and throw a, you know, a conditional seventh-round pick at Cam Newton. But who knows? Maybe he th- maybe he didn't want to get traded. Maybe he thinks he can get more money on the open market. But t- time will tell. I, I, I was just shocked that he was cut, as I said, and, and there wasn't some sort of market for him to be traded. But... um. Just moving on. So before we move into the kind of main topic of the pod, uh, just to remind you that today's pod is brought to you by Manscaped. So quite frankly, whatever you're doing for below the belt trimming, unless it's Manscaped, you're doing it wrong. Um, Manscaped is by far the best in below-the-waist grooming. Um, today we've we've got an exclusive offer for you throughout this month. Um, with using the code 5YARD, you can get 20% off and free world shipping off anything at manscaped.com. Honestly, um, it's it's kind of life-changing, and I appreciate that is slightly hyperbolic. Um, but Almost as bad as me and Mac
0: Jones there, Rich. Well, Possibly, possibly. <laughs>
2: but it's one of these things I, I genuinely can't get my head around how good this how good it is. It's, it's one of these things that you, I've never really given it a huge amount of thought. Um, you know I've, I've used an old beard trimmer and and thought that would do the job but until you've it's, it's one of those things until you've tried something that's truly you know market leading and incredible i don't think you realize how how rubbish that, that what you were using <laughs> yes. before was quite frankly so honestly if you've not tried it go out and get yourself one i promise you you won't be disappointed um the new lawnmower 4.0 it's got skin safe technology so you can absolutely protect the goods um it's got an led light which makes life very simple you know you're not trying to position yourself so that you've got your your main light in the middle of your bathroom so that you can see what you're doing it makes life very easy um wireless charging it's got three different blade lengths um it's it's truly a fantastic bit kit and it is dead easy to use it is fantastic quite frankly 2 million people worldwide, you know, they can't be wrong. There's a reason why we're on the 4.0 Manscaped, a truly incredible piece of kit. And I recommend you going along using that that five-yard code, get 20% off and I promise you, you won't regret it. So today's topic, Liam, we decided we'd probably, you know, everybody's being positive, the season's coming. We thought we'd be really negative. And, uh, and look at some players that you should be selling before the season starts. So before we dig dive into specific players, what are you looking to do at this kind of point in the year? Are you, uh, are you looking to sell a certain type of player? Are you looking to just sell anyone at cost? Or what sort of sales are you looking
0: to do? I think if you're selling anyone at this point, you've got to sell people that, you don't believe are going to help you contend this year um, or people that are at the top of their, their position and that you can downgrade, so to speak, and still have a very good asset that will help you contend this year. Um, the issue, as we spoke about last week, was no one's set selling or buying players for picks So you're having a really hard time selling at this point. But if you do manage to sell players, I think you've got to be looking at players that you either think are going higher than what you would expect them to finish this season or go on to finish in future years. Um, Or players you just don't think are going to do anything this season and you want to get out immediately. Um, But before we move on, we've had a bit of breaking news, Rich, that involves your team.
2: Oh dear, what's happened? Don't tell me
0: Zach Wilson's injured. No, Zach Wilson is not injured. I can breathe. Tight end Chris Herndon has been traded to the Vikings. How do you feel about that?
2: I mean, look, I, I was probably the biggest Chris Herndon fan guy after his rookie year. I thought, you know, he was a... A fairly unwarranted fourth-round pick. Yes, he was athletic. Yes, he came out of a solid university in Miami. I, I was really all-in after that rookie year where he flashed, and I think he had like 600 yards in his rookie year, which is unheard of for rookie tight ends. Um, but the last two years, he's been quite frankly atrocious. Uh, he suffered with drops last year. He, he can't block to save his life. Um, you know, When you've got a move tight end that, that can't catch and can't block, you're not doing much. Um, So he's gone to the Vikings. So that's interesting. I wonder if that means that Irv Smith's injury is actually bigger than than kind of first reported. I know they've talked that he was going to be out for a few weeks, but maybe that means that he's going to be out for sort of seven, eight plus weeks and, and they need that replacement in urgently.
0: Yeah, I've seen a couple of reports that he could be missing an extended period of time, like what you've said, or even longer than the six, seven weeks. So, it really depends on the the type of surgery i believe it is um, i think but that's what's what's interesting though is that that probably
2: means that tyler Croft's going to be the the main kind of move tight end in the offense i do wonder if you know we we're getting super deep here but i wonder if trevon wesco who's a kind of a blocking tight end that's been used as a fullback um he 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 was baby Gronk when he was coming out, Liam. That's a, you know another one of those fifty baby Gronks that get named every year. Um, I wonder if he's going to get used in that kind of Cole Usek style role in that Shanahan offense. Um, but I'm really intrigued by that. I'm 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 hopeful that that means that we're going to use the slot more, and and my boy Elijah Moore is going to get even more targets. So. Anyway, you've, you've completely thrown me off off, <laughs> off the pod show sheet there. I'm, I'm sort of scrambling a bit. So, yeah, we, we were talking about selling players. That was it. So for me, at this point of the year, and you'll probably see this with um, the guys that I'm going to talk about, I'm looking to sell one of two players. I'm looking to sell guys that I think their value is at their absolute peak, at which point I think they will never return investment on that value. Um, or... I'm looking to sell players that I think still hold some value that I don't believe will ever return on that value. OK, so the first player and, um, you know, that you could you could throw in a few different players. I think Devontae Adams probably deserves a mention here as a player that you could sell at absolute peak. Um, but the, the number one guy for me that you've got to be selling is is Christian McCaffrey. And I appreciate that everybody's probably sitting there thinking, why the hell would you sell Christian McCaffrey at the beginning of the season? He's going to be the RB1. He's going to lead me to a title. Now, why I'm saying sell Christian McCaffrey is that he is currently the consensus RB1. He has been for the last couple of years. He is a true cheat code at the position. His ability to you know, command 100 plus targets, you know, get 80, 80 plus receptions a year, combined with his rushing workload... And be the you know the true Belco in that back is unmatched really in, in the league. And and that's an incredible asset. But there comes a cliff with running backs and it comes quick. And also the only way for McCaffrey's price to go is down. Okay. If you don't sell now, in six months' time, I guarantee you that McCaffrey's price will be less. Because some of these sophomore running backs, you know, we had an incredible year with eight, eight very useful running backs last year. One of them is gonna have a fantastic season. If one of those has a fantastic top five season, they are gonna be the new RB1 in Dynasty. I guarantee it. So now is your last opportunity, your last window to sell at that absolute peak value. Now, why I'm saying this is. I've I've got his rough value in in my trade value calculator is three firsts and two seconds, okay? That is an absolute haul. But if you're a contending team, that doesn't help you right now. So what I'm saying is that, yes, go and sell Christian McCaffrey, but don't just sell him for the sake of it. What I'm looking to do is I'm looking to buy back years. I'm looking to go and target one of those sophomore running backs, whether it be an Antonio Gibson, whether it be a CEH, whether it be... You know, uh, Jonathan Taylor, someone that's got fringe RB one upside, and I'm looking to get either another elite receiver thrown in, or you know, a first plus. If I can get Antonio Gibson and and maybe a first and a second, or maybe even two firsts, or something like that, that's the kind of trade I'm looking to do. Or if I can go and get a CH and a CD Lamb, then. I'm I'm turning my one elite running back into an elite receiver that I'm going to have for the next four or five years, plus, you know, multiple picks. Or, uh, you know, I, I just think that you can get so much from McCaffrey right now. And and yes, it's probably going to cost you a little bit this year in terms of your points scored. But you're playing dynasty to win, to create a dynasty. You're not playing just for this year. And I think that if you hold on to McCaffrey right now, you're probably going to be really good this year, but you're going to be left holding the bag and you're never going to get that value. And, and to me, the way I play dynasty, I've talked about this a few times, is I'm playing it like a stock market. And yes, McCaffrey might help me to win a title, but if it's going to reduce my overall roster value... Then I think it's a bad move to hold him. So for me, I'm looking to sell. I'm looking to sell at peak value. If I can get two younger pieces that can help me win now, still, then I'm I'm laughing. But for me, that's my move. What What do you think, Liam? Am I? As I'm sure a lot of people are going to tell me, am I crazy for looking to sell McCaffrey right now?
0: No, I I like it. Uh, the only issue I have is if you're contending, why would you give up McCaffrey unless you need more depth in your starting lineup? If you have a a big starting lineup, like it's 10, 11 players, a bunch of flex spots or whatever, then having McCaffrey, if you've got a strong enough lineup with rotational pieces for your flex spots, you want to consolidate your assets and get bigger and better people like McCaffrey that are going to help you win this year. But I do get your point around wanting to sell him at peak value. I just think now is not the time to sell McCaffrey in the off season was. So you could pivot around a bit more Um, because everyone's gone into redraft mode now. Everyone's looking at it. Yes. McCaffrey is the top asset at a running back and outside of quarterbacks, he is the top asset. Um But I just think right now, not as many people are going to be out trying to get, Someone like McCaffrey that's costing that many that much, and wanting to give up win now assets as well. I think that for me,
2: we're in that redraft mentality, and I think that people aren't thinking about anything other than than this year now. You know, we talk about dynasty all through the off season. And I think that people would have been cautious buying McCaffrey. Because of the, you know, the running back age curve and don't buy running backs in the offseason, that kind of thing. Whereas I think now people are in purely redraft mentality and people are thinking, if I can go and buy McCaffrey, I'm going to I'm going to win the league. So that, this is the point at which I think McCaffrey is is absolute peak value, which is why I'm selling selling now. So what about you, Liam? Where, where are you selling your
0: first player? So let's just ignore everything I just said about Chrissy McCaffrey. And my <laughs> player is Jonathan Taylor. So it's basically the same conversation. Um, just a couple of running back spots behind McCaffrey. So you probably set him for about two first a couple of seconds or another piece. Uh, he's currently going as the RB5 in DLF ADP. Just copy and paste everything you said to, for Christian McCaffrey for Taylor because... My thought process behind this, and I know that I'm going to anger Nick again, but he had a very good end of the season last year. I'm not saying that he's not talented because he is. I like the player. I like the profile. I just think that people aren't looking at how well he did with a pinch of salt like they are with other players. Jonathan Taylor is currently going as the RB5, as I said, but I like players behind him that you can pivot to that I don't think will do horrendously or even there'll be a massive gap between Taylor and the person you're pivoting down to. Like someone you've already mentioned, Clyde edwards hilaire I don't see a huge gap between them this year. And in future years, I don't think there's going to be this huge gap where Jonathan Taylor is the next Christian McCaffrey and... Clyde Edwards, Hilary's this middling RB 2 I think if you can pivot down and pick up another either win-now asset or if you rebuild and try and get a pick or whatever and move down to someone like in the CEH range, maybe even a Gibson and still have a, a good enough roster to try and get into the playoffs, then I don't see why not. I just think at this point... You aren't getting more than for Jonathan Taylor. I've kept one share of him just because I want to see how it plays out. Otherwise, I would have sold everywhere this offseason that I had him.
2: I'm I'm never gonna sit here and disagree with you saying sell a running back. I think, you know, we should basically always be selling running backs because I think that the the value, the return on the value is never as good as the value you get kind of thing. And the risk at the position is crazy. We've seen, you know, over the last few weeks with J.K. Dobbins, Cam Acres, um, you know, they, those injuries are, are real and their price plummets when they get those injuries. And I, I agree with that sentiment. My my one concern is that I think you're not selling at peak value if you're selling now. And yes, hindsight's 2020, 20, but I think if you were selling Jonathan Taylor, you needed to do it three, four months ago when we were in that dynasty circle. And he was going as the RB two, you know. We're now back in redraft, and you know, in in the August, the LF ADP is going as the RB five. Well, that's because Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara and Saquon Barkley have jumped ahead of him. Whereas three months ago, he was the no no brainer RB two ahead of Kamara and Cook. And I just think that now you're in that redraft mode. I wonder if someone like a Jonathan Taylor, you're almost better holding just like you said, just for that chance that you see how it plays out. If that offensive line is fit and, you know, we we've seen Quentin Nelson and Kelly's back fit. If they've not got many receiving options, so they're going to be running the ball. And and if Carson Wentz can get that offense moving a little bit, could Jonathan Taylor be the the guy that we saw at Wisconsin and and be an absolute freak of a back? And, Could he return value on that RB5? Maybe. Um, I guess for me, I'm just thinking that I I like selling. I think that, you know, always be selling running backs. But I just wonder if with my, you know, stock market hat on,
0: if you'd have sold three months ago, you might have got a bit more. Okay, so question back to you, just a little bit rebuttal. Do you think Taylor's price is going to go up next year after the season? No. So why not sell now? No, absolutely. Absolutely. That, 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 that's my point is, yes, it was not peak value as of three months ago when he was RB2, but do you expect him to get to RB2 again, RB3, I think or even I th- stay at RB5 this time next year? I think it's within the range of outcomes. I think there is a world in
2: which Jonathan Taylor is is the RB1 next year. Let's be honest. I think if he has a top five season, I say again, I think he finishes the top five running back last year. Um, and, you know, Christian McCaffrey maybe gets a nick or misses a few games with an injury. Saquon Barkley doesn't come back from the injury fully, fully healthy and fully firing like we're expecting. I wouldn't be shocked if John Taylor is the RB1. Do I think that's going to happen? No, I, th- I think he'll probably stay in that RB4 to 8 range. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great point. You're right. If, if you if you don't think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be a top three running back this time at the end of the season, then, yeah, now's, now's your chance to sell, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I, I just think, so just on your point, he finishes the RB4 in standard RB6 in PPR. So he, he's around that RB5 range. If he has another RB5 finish... I don't foresee his value going up too much, maybe two or three RB spots. But in the terms of selling him now or later, it really depends on whether you're a contender or you're rebuilding. I just don't, I, I can see his stock going down more than I can see it going up the two or three spots. And that's where my issue comes in. So that's why I'm saying sell. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So moving on
2: to my, uh, I guess, my kind of next... Sell sell window, is guys that I just don't believe in, and I think the hype is outrageous. Um, guys that I think that people are dreaming up best case scenarios rather than looking at realistic situations, um, and and that's going to be Darnell Mooney. Uh, so Darnell Mooney is currently going as the wide receiver forty nine. Okay, I was a huge Darnell Mooney fan last year. I think that I called him about week three last year. Once he started running, running with the first team in games and, and saw a decent snap share, and you know he was getting a decent target share. Let's be honest, in that offense, because you could go out and get him for free. That was why I was a fan of Donnell Mooney. Me. You, you will all know, long-term listeners, I am not a fan of day day three wide receivers in rookie drafts. That the hit rate's just not there. They they don't tend to produce elite seasons. And if I'm buying a guy, Darnell Mooney's current price is wide receiver 49. If I'm buying a guy there, I want a guy that I think has top 24 seasons in his range of outcomes. I just don't believe that with Darnell Mooney. For me, this offense runs through Alan Robinson. He is going to absolutely command, you know, probably a 20 to 25% target share. People are talking about well, there's a QB upgrade. Justin Fields is going to come into the offense. That means there's going to be more targets and better targets to go around. If you go back and look at history, there is basically no rookie quarterback that has come in, played, and produced more than one fancy viable wide receiver. It just doesn't happen very often. So sitting here and saying, Alan Robinson is going to be a wide receiver one, You know, he's going to be, let's be honest, everybody
0: thinks he's probably going to finish as a top 12 wide receiver this year. Do you agree, Liam? Yeah, I'm with you on Darnell Mooney, but I was with you on Darnell Mooney last year, but more as a sell when he started popping off. Um, It's the same reason why I want to sell Gabriel Davis, and that's why I'm not putting him on here, because we're going to talk about the exact same reasons for Mooney. Um, I didn't see the point in rehashing that conversation again but yeah i i just think with mooney the hype is getting too far i think maybe maybe in his third season that's when you can maybe look at him doing something decent like a a top 24 finish but i just i don't see it with mooney i see him as a big play asset that is not going to give you weekly production that you can rely on and he's going to turn into the Bears version of what an MVS kind of does, Marcus Valdez scamming for Green Bay. I just think that you're not ever going to be able to count on him. He's going to sit on your roster and your window's going to go when he starts to get less and less looks. I think he's going to be a
2: career roster clogger and those guys only hold value when they're young And people don't realise that. And to me, Donald Mooney is that. Yes, in in a best ball scenario, he's going to have some really good weeks where he pops off, catches two deep balls, one for a touchdown. And, you know, as you said, that MVS style, he'll he'll have decent stats and he'll probably at the end of the season look all right. But let's be honest, Donald Mooney is currently going as the wide receiver 49. I don't think he's going to finish as a top 40 wide receiver this year. Okay. So once you add in rookies next year, once you add in, you know, younger players that might produce rookies from this year, I think that price is only going to decline. I think this time next year, we're going to be talking about Darnell Mooney, maybe as a, you know, a sleeper in some of your startups as a wide receiver 60 to 70 range. And for me, that that's scary. I'm, if I can get a second for Darnell Mooney right now, which is which is about where his price is, I think it's probably it would need to be a late second. You might need you might need to add a third to Darnell Mooney to get a second, but that is absolutely a move I'm doing a hundred times out of hundred because I just don't believe that he is ever going to be a consistent starter. If I can move off Darnell Mooney, you know, and go and get. And another player in that range, um, then I'm absolutely doing it. If I can get, you know, people going around him, Brandon Cooks is going to pick ahead of him. If I can go and trade Donald Mooney for Brandon Cooks straight up, that is a move I'm doing hundred times out of hundred. Shockingly, you know, two of my favorite guys are going two picks after him: Will Fuller, Antonio Brown. Okay, if I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Antonio Brown and Darnell Mooney, you know, one of those things is not like the others. And to me, the fact that Darnell Mooney is in that range of those guys who Will Fuller was a a top 10 wide receiver before he got suspended last year. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers we've ever seen in the NFL. And I think the one of, I think he was a, a wide receiver two down the stretch last year. And Brandon Cooks is a guy that is perennially underrated and just produces wide receiver two seasons time and time again. And yes, that that Houston offense I want no part of, but someone's got to catch the balls. And if you're comparing those three to Darnell Mooney, who is a you know the second option in a rookie quarterback-led offense, give give me that second, give me one of those guys in that same range and get off Darnell Mooney as soon as you can.
0: Yeah, I, I'm completely with you. So, moving on to my second player, this is going to come to a surprise to a lot of ears, um, but I'm going to go with Justin Herbert, currently the QB six. And this kind of comes back to the conversation we were talking about earlier: is selling at peak value. Um, I just so I sold him part way through last season on a rebuild that on an orphan that I took over. Um, and thinking back, as you said earlier, hindsight's twenty twenty. I probably could have gotten more now than I did then. But he's going as the QB six, and he had yes, he had a great rookie season. I'm not taking anything away from him. But do we really think that Herbert is going to have an, a top twelve season this year? Carry that into the off season and continue to improve. I just think that there's a lot of hype around Herbert because of how well he did, especially coming in under the circumstances that he did. I'm not taking anything away from him from what he's done this year or now last year, sorry, but I just don't see him returning QB six value from now on. I think that he could be going QB 12 this time next year, maybe. Um, around wh- whoever the 101 is um, coming into next year's NFL draft. But I just think that the hype has gone so far with it that you could pivot off Herbert, pick up someone along the lines of a uh, Tannehill, a Rogers that's still going to give you this year's production. Yes, maybe has a bit more of a question mark in the future, but pick up something else like a first or even more than that depending on who you pivot to and maybe even pivot down to a Burrow who is currently going later than him and you could probably get
2: nine currently QB
0: nine so you you could get something on top of Burrow and to me they finished pretty similarly when well when they played they were pretty similar it was just Herbert played for longer because of the borough injury what do you think about that I
2: feel like you're just playing my greatest hits of the things that I bang (laughs) on about We've we've talked about always selling running backs we've talked about selling at the peak we've talked about day three wide receivers don't matter now we're talking about how quarterback age is the most overrated thing ever and you know Justin Herbert I love the guy I thought last season was astounding I didn't expect that from him at all um Luckily, I had him in quite a lot of places because I just thought the value of him in rookie drafts was obscene. But yeah, I'm I'm absolutely selling Justin Herbert because you know we talked about it. John Paulson did a great study where you know rookie quarterback production tends to regress to the mean. Justin Herbert was historic in terms of his performance under pressure last year. He, I think, led the NFL in a lot of under pressure stats, which as a rookie is obscene. Yes, the Chargers have gone out and invested in that offensive line and it's going to be, you know, hopefully one of the better offensive lines in the league. But I'm I'm scared about that price, man. I just I just think, you know, we're talking about range of outcomes. I think there is a much greater world where his price drops than rises. So for me, if I can move from Justin Herbert to a, you know, a Russell Wilson or or even an Aaron Rodgers, you know, let's be honest, with someone like Aaron Rodgers, I'm probably going to get three years of elite production. If you're getting three years of elite production out of any player at any other point in your roster, you are delighted. You can probably get – I mean, what what would you throw in on top of Aaron Rodgers to get Justin Herbert? I guess you're talking at least a first, if not more. If I can get a better quarterback for me this year and the first-round pick for moving on from Justin Herbert – Absolutely doing it. You know, same thing, if I can move on Russell Wilson, who I'm probably getting five, six years of elite quarterback production, move on Justin Herbert to get that. It's it's a move I'm doing a 100 times out of a 100. I, I love your take of, you know, Ryan Tannehill. I think he's still underrated, has been all season, has been all off season. We've talked about him a few times, but I, I just think that Justin Herbert has got to be a sell because this QB age thing is just getting ridiculous. You know, everybody's looking at quarterbacks and going, well, I'm going to have him on my roster for, for 15 years. OK, cool. But I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers for three years and then a first round pick. I can go and get the next Justin Herbert. And then I can sell him in in and you know get the next quarterback plus another one. And you're just improving your roster value from you know a consistent basis. Quarterback age is ridiculous and it is massively overrated.
0: Yeah. I I have nothing else to add to it. We're both spoken our piece on that. That was. Well I felt put.
2: I felt like I took over and and got got on my little <laughs> TED talk rant. So yeah, I'm I'm Richard Keeling and welcome to my TED talk on
0: quarterback age. Uh, no, that that is bang on, Rich. Absolutely bang on.
2: <laughs> so my last guy. So this is going
0: to be I'm going to bang on
2: another wide receiver, but I just I just want to give a quick a quick little hat nod as such to Cole Pitts. Look, Cole Pitts's price is ridiculous. I love Cole Pitts, the player. I think he is incredible. I'm so excited to watch him in the NFL. He is currently the Titan 2 in DLF ADP. He's going ahead of Cole, of uh, George Kittle. He's going ahead of Darren Waller. He's going ahead of TJ Hawkinson. He's going ahead of Noah Fan. He is a guy that has never taken a snap in a real NFL game, and he is the tight ends 2. What are we doing? This is obscene. I just can't get my head around it.
0: That was my mind exploding. It's crazy.
2: It's it's obscene. Yes, the guy is a, you know, a generational talent. Yes, the guy is a freak. I'm you know, he's going to get used as a wide receiver a lot. Okay, but that doesn't mean that he's going to walk in and be a, you know, the the transformational piece. If you can sell Carl Pitts now and get Darren Waller plus or George Kittle plus Man, that's I wish I had more Carl Pitt shares so I could be making that move, quite <laughs> frankly. But I'm not talking about Carl Pitts. That wasn't my third pick, Liam. Notice how I, I sneaked in an extra little one there. Um, my third guy is Jalen Rager. And uh, this is going to come with a, a little hat tip to, to Pete Howard, who... Does some fantastic work. If if you're not following him, he's at PA Howdy on Twitter. Um, So basically, he did a study on rookie receivers and the difference between their rookie ADP to sophomore ADP. And basically, he found that rookie wide receivers that dropped around from the rookie year to the sophomore year in DLF ADP, there is a 94% chance that they will not go on to have a top 24 season. Which you're basically saying any wide receiver that busts in their rookie year, that then doesn't go on to produce a, a you know an elite fantasy season, that that's incredible. That's you know Jalen Rager's still being held up as a an early second round pick in terms of his value. He's, he's wide receiver 55 in DLF ADP you know, copy and paste everything I said about Darnell Mooney. If I can get Will Fuller, if I can get Antonio Brown, you know, those guys have got chances of producing a top 24 season this year. Jalen Rager, if he starts slow, you know, if if that Philly offense isn't great, if, if Jalen Hurts can't produce, you know, if Devonta Smith comes in and takes over, then Jalen Rager's price is just going to plummet and you're never going to get even a sniff of a second-round pick. Also, just to add on, the Eagles... Sh- kind of showed us what they think about Jalen Rager. If if Jalen Rager was truly a, you know a guy that was going to be an elite receiver that we were holding him out hope for him to be, why would they have gone and spent the what was it, the ninth pick on Devonta
0: Smith? Yeah, ninth or tenth, one of
2: the yeah, we I feel like we have this argument every time we talk about <laughs> Devonta Smith. I can never remember where he got picked. I believe it's the tenth a, a top 12 pick. There you go. Um look I'm I'm all out on Jalen Rager. I think if you've got a share and you can get a second, if, if you can pivot to a you know a, a lesser wide receiver, if you can pivot to a you know another position or or package him up with something else to try and sneak him into a trade, I think you've got to be doing it now. Cause I really don't think that Jalen Rager is going to do anything this year. And then that price is just going to drop off a cliff. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm I'm with you on this. The the biggest sticking point for me on this, uh to play devil's advocate is that offence was really not good last year but I don't think that was anything to do with Raya specifically I think that a lot of that came down to injuries not just in the wide receiver room but along the offensive line you had the awful quarterback play and the quarterback switch over um, so the I can see the route but there's a one in 20 chance, according to Peter Howard's data, a one in 20 chance that he's going to produce a tw- top 24 season again, or again, he's going to do it at all in his career. That's astonishing to, to find out that that is incredible. Um, so with that in mind, I I would easily sell him for a second right now. Um because people will still believe because of the reasons I just mentioned. And it's very easy to pick out a path where he does become relevant. You can talk yourself into it, can't you? You can talk yourself
2: into mission. it. And it's, yes. it, you know, as I said with Donamuni, guys in this range, guys with this value, I just, I just don't want those receivers that are wide receiver 30 to wide receiver 60 that aren't, you know, that basically... Don't have that chance of being truly elite guys. If I'm paying for someone in this range, it's because I think that I can. I think they're going to be a top twenty-four producer, and I just don't see it with Jalen Rager. So he's he's an easy sell for me
0: right now. So coming in, Liam, your last sell. Where where are we going here? So my last sell. I didn't want to talk about one specific player. Oh, I wanted so to talk
2: about a group. So this is because I cheated and named four. You're now going to cheat and name a whole host of players just, just to one-up me.
0: Yeah, correct. Yeah, I've even made sure that I had one extra player than you, just, just <laughs> to point this out. Um, so the, the name of the group that I kind of decided to go with is, is Inheritance Backs. So what I mean by that is backs that have kind of inherited the lead role. So we're looking at Darrell Henderson, obviously, from the Akers injury uh, earlier on in the off-season, You are James Robinson from the Etienne News that I believe broke last week Uh, and Gus Edwards that the the Dobbins News unfortunately hit us over the weekend. Um, All three have inherited what seems to be the running back one role in their offence and there's not much behind them because these were top back or running backs essentially. So that the teams really haven't got a lot behind them. So everyone's penciling penciling in these guys to have a lot of volume. And I know that we're going to go on about volume running backs with you now, Rich, now that I've said it, uh, so you can tick that one off your list of things to talk about on the pod. But people are penciling these people these running backs in to have a great season just because of the volume. And I I don't argue With that per se, but we are a dynasty podcast. And my thought process here is if you're not in hopes of getting to the championship, you need to look at selling these guys if you have any of them on your roster. This is exactly what Rich does, and I'm sure he'll come around to it in a minute of why he takes a bunch of running backs to end the draft and the final 10 or 15 rounds of every dynasty startup he does is just green, green, green on sleeper because that's the color of the running back slots. You sell these guys now because it's peak value before they've taken a snap. You don't need to wait for them to score 15 to 20 points and score a touchdown or whatever, and have a good week, sell them now while people understand that they're going to get the volume then you don't have to worry about when to sell them because they've had a bad week here or there. Sell them now for about, what would you say, Richard, first for any of them, if you can get a first smash sell?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I I agree with everything you're saying, you know, you've hinted at one of my favourite dynasty strategies, which is I'll, I'll take one or two running backs early and then I'll just forget about the position and then I'll take, you know, 10 or 15 guys because, to me, they've they've got the opportunity to completely blow up in value, and you've seen that with all three of these guys. You know, you could have bought Gus Edwards for a second, maybe a third, you know, a week two ago, and now he's going for a first plus in some worlds. Um, the the one thing I would say is I think you know you talked about them inheritance backs. I, I guess maybe I'd I'd throw out that if if you've got the inheritance tax. Of um, if if you're if you're you know a complete contender and, and maybe a little bit running back light, I don't have an issue with going and throwing picks at these guys to buy them, knowing if you're going in fully eyes wide open that this is a one year move. You know, I wouldn't feel comfortable paying a first to to kind of bring you behind the curtain. I went out and bought Gus Edwards in a league where I'm I'm considering myself the favorite but I've only got probably three startable running backs. They're very good, but I'm probably a little bit thin at running back. So I went and bought Gus Edwards for two seconds and two thirds. Now, the the guy selling him wanted a first and I wasn't willing to pay that. So to me, two seconds and two thirds is, is less than a first in terms of value. Um, and, and that's what I'm willing to pay to go out and buy someone that I think Gus Edwards has got top 24 potential this year, but maybe fringe top 12 potential. But I do agree with you. I think that, you know, these are guys that you're you're selling, as I keep saying, at the peak of their value. You know, they're in a year's time. Those starters are going to be coming back from injuries. Yes, Cam Akers has come back from an Achilles and, and we don't know what he's going to be, but he's going to be back in that backfield. And even if Darrell Henderson has, you know, a, a top five season, as soon as Cam Akers comes back, his price is going to be less. So for me, I, I agree. I think if I can get a first for any of those guys, I'm I'm
0: absolutely doing that right now. This this situation for all of three of these is exactly why you take these type of running backs. Is you're hope not hoping, but you're expecting a running back to go down. And it just so happens that it's it's the one that you've got the quote unquote handcuff for. So why not cash in on that? That, That's my thought process. Yes, if you're contending, then it makes everything a lot better. You've got an extra asset that, and it's taken away from someone who thought they were contending with an Acres, Etienne, whoever. So my thought process is unless you're 100% going for a title this year, sell, just just sell because their their price is not going up from here.
2: Yeah, I think that actually comes quite nicely into our listener questions of the week so these are we've got two questions both from guys in our Dynasty Listener League Um, so the first is from ATM 2016 uh, and he basically on on this point asks with all the injuries impacting star running backs what's your strategy regarding handcuffs and evaluating the value of them well we've talked about their value and and what you're selling I think for me Liam hinted at it what I'm looking to do is in Dynasty Leagues I'm not looking to handcuff my, my running backs because I'm always looking to have at least one, if not two extra to make sure I can cover an injury that could potentially happen. And to me, if I'm handcuffing my running back, I'm basically playing, it's a floor play and and I'm wasting a roster spot just in case there's an injury to my guy. So what I like to do as, as Liam has hinted and and people in my leagues will know, I like to basically just smash my bench with as many handcuffs or guys in kind of congested backfields, you know, all of the Jets guys not named Michael Carter, so whether that's Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson, LaMichael Pirah and someone like that, I want as many of those type of guys because if an injury happens, if, you know, somebody underproduces and and we see a a random name suddenly get the workload, they have week-to-week value because if you know who's going to be the Jets' leading rusher in week three, chances are you can start them. But equally... As we've seen with Joe Henson, James Robertson, Gus Edwards, their value skyrockets, and you you can make a really good sell now player.
0: Do you agree, Lim? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, the The issue with taking your own handcuff is, as you said, you're it's a floor play, and you're capping your upside because you're using two roster spots on essentially one player slash position. Um, I think. At this point, you're probably selling these guys if you're not competing, as we've said, but I'm not going to rehash that whole conversation we've just had. Um, So we've actually got a second question from Stephen Munger again in the um, Dynasty Listener League, which is quite a a long one, so I'm going to try and shorten it a little bit. Um, He's basically asking, given the mixed reviews um, about the 2022 rookie class over the first half or the first month of the season, what are you looking to do with aging assets or how are you looking at trading them? So he's talking about trade um, aging and assets such as say a Thielen or players that have the one year increased value due to injuries like the inheritance backs we've just talked about. So, Will you prefer to hold on to the picks for the rookie draft or are you then using those picks that you get from the ageing assets to trade for younger players in the off-season when these picks eventually get more value when we get closer to the rookie
2: drafts? I think for me, if I'm not a contender, I'm looking to acquire as many picks as I can during the season because we talk about the peaks and troughs of pick value picks are at their lowest either before the season or in the middle of the season, once we get into that contender, you know, the playoff spot, because that's when contenders are throwing around picks for, you know, for anything. So if I can acquire as many picks as I can, they will only increase in value as we move from October, November, December into February, March, April. Okay. In reference to the 2022 rookie class, I'll be honest, I'm not, I play in a few devi leagues, I'll leave the college talk to the 5 year college guys. I get that there's not the elite top-end talent that we're excited about like we are about the 2023 class. But for me, I've talked about this a couple of times in the off-season, because of COVID and because of the amount of extra... Um, players that have gone back to college, we traditionally see a rookie class in terms of players that declare for the NFL draft about a 1,000, okay? Last year was 600. Next year is going to be about 1,800 to 2,000. So we're going to see next year's rookie class in terms of players coming out of college is going to be three times the size of last year and twice the size of a normal year. So whilst it might not have those... Trevor Lawrence's, Saquon Barkley's, generational talents that we can get excited about. It is going to be deep. There is going to be some really good fantasy stars. And also, you will see names come out of nowhere. A year ago, nobody was talking about Zach Wilson. Two years ago, nobody was talking about Joe Burrow. These guys come from nowhere. Just because it's not a great class now... I'm, I still think it's got the potential and the opportunity to be a really good class. And even if it is a terrible class, you will still get more for that first round pick in April than you paid for it in, in November or December. So if I'm not a contender, I'm looking to acquire purely picks because they are the only asset that I can guarantee will raise in value. The other thing, just to hint on that as well, the other thing I'm looking to do is I'm looking to buy injured players that I think have non-career affected injuries. So give it give it a couple of weeks, give it a month, and I'm looking to buy JK Dobbins. Give it, give it a couple of weeks, give it a month, and I'm looking to buy Travis Etienne. Because if I can get a discount on those players in the middle of the season when people are looking for a piece to help them win, that's absolutely what I'm doing.
0: So, taking that back to last year, you're probably looking at in the season picking up someone like Sutton, Cortland Sutton, who had an ACL tear.
2: Yeah, I've got, I bought, so I've got nine shares of Saquon Barkley across my leagues. Eight of them I bought in the middle of the season last year for what I considered far below market rate because he was injured. I did the same with Cortland Sutton. And I'm trying to think if there was anyone else that I bought, Dak Prescott. That was the other one. In several leagues, I moved someone like a, a Russell Wilson for a Dak Prescott straight up because I was in a position where if I wasn't contending or even in teams where I was contending, I wa- I saw Dak Prescott as having greater value than Russell Wilson. So I was able to move Russell Wilson straight up for Dak Prescott. It didn't affect me last year because I was already in a pretty good place. But this year, I've, I've now got a much greater asset just because I was willing to look that a year ahead. So that, that concludes it for the pod. So just a reminder, guys, the pod was brought to you by Manscaped. Uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5YARD. That is the number five, Y-A-R-D. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job. Um, so next week, we are in almost in season mode. We will come to you next Wednesday and the day after will be the season start so Liam I am incredibly excited I hope we've got some exciting I don't don't hope I know we've got some exciting things planned for the end season I know we've got a great pod next week but thank you very much and uh, we'll see you again next week